Welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Podcast. My name is Ray. I am your host. Today's another restaurant review, and we're headed back to Chapman's, one of our favorite restaurants in Columbus. Uh, we try and eat there as soon as there's a new menu, and they just completed one recently uh, at the beginning of May. They did actually for two weeks this time just because they had so many reservations, people trying to trying to book uh, a week in the South, which was basically their Southern-themed menu. Um, Chef BJ Lieberman, he's worked in the South, and then so has Chef Wesley Grubbs, who is, I believe, the chef de cuisine at Chapman's. And uh, if you don't know much about Wesley, I did a little research uh, beforehand. Uh, he's actually born and raised in Southern Maryland. Uh, his cousin is a chef too as well, and I guess that's what, uh, from what I saw, kind of inspired him to pursue a culinary career self-taught. I uh, wound up uh, working as a line cook at uh, this place called Galileo de Roberto in, uh, when he was like 23. I was there for like about a year. Then I think like in 2001, he moved to Charleston, wound up working at Fish Restaurant, and then worked at Coast Restaurant, uh, both kind of as like a line cook. 2004, he wound up working, uh, moving over to Bohicket Creek Grill, which was on Seabrook Island. He was there for like a year was the sous chef there. A year after that, he uh, was offered executive sous chef position at Tristan Restaurant. And he was there for so probably about like five, four or five years, and then went to Husk uh, in 2010. Eventually started out as a line cook, eventually started working as the head butcher. I guess both his, his father and grandfather were butchers, so it just kind of was a natural thing. And uh, did that for a while, and then 2014, Got the opportunity to be the chef de cuisine at Monero, which was, uh, Sean Brock was opening up a Mexican concept restaurant and basically another part of his, uh, I think it was like neighborhood dining group that he was with originally before uh, Brock left. I think like 2018 is kind of when he separated from them to move to Nashville and do his own thing. But yeah, he got the opportunity to be the chef de cuisine there at the new restaurant so it wasn't something that he was like super familiar with. It, it did a bunch of studying to just kind of understand the the bold flavors. It just wasn't something I think that he that he wound up cooking um, up to that point. And then did that for about three four years. In 2018, um, he was promoted to executive chef. I think he was promoted before Brock left. That's just when the announcement came through that Brock was leaving. So I I mean he was basically doing the executive chef duties beforehand and and was there for a little bit. And then I. Don't exactly know how he found his way to Columbus. Uh, I'm sure because he was in kind of that Sean Brock restaurant group where uh, Aaron Silverman and BJ Lieberman and a whole bunch of other people have come from. I mean, uh, Brian Baxter at the Capward Seat was was part of that group too as well, you know, group of restaurants. So uh, somehow, you know, wound up they connected and, and then he, uh, Wesley, moved to Columbus to help open, you know, Chapman's where he's, you know, running the kitchen there. Um, Chef de Cuisine, I believe would be his title. And uh, so him and I guess uh, Chef BJ uh, Lieberman got together and wanted to do kind of a Southern themed menu. No word on, um, I don't know if they're going to do the uh, the Thai menu that uh, BJ was working on uh, that Matt uh, kind of slipped. I don't know if Matt was supposed to, I'm sure it was fine. It basically, if you go back and listen to the Matt Larkin um, podcast that I did with him, uh, he did it was part of the inspiration for the Vietnam menu, but they were working on like a, a Thai menu because, uh, BJ, he, he traveled to Thailand. Um, cause we kind of talked about it when he came on the podcast. So check out those episodes if you haven't listened to them and there's a backstory and all that stuff in there. But, um, 
but yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see the tie menu, uh, or maybe we'll see that at a later date. I'm not sure if that, how far along that was before it got shelved for Vietnam or, or what. So I'll be curious to, to see, but, but yeah, so they did this Southern menu. Um, so kind of same vein as kind of the Vietnam, except this one ran for two weeks, but, uh, it was, you know, delicious as always. I, I was telling somebody, um, after doing one of the podcasts, like I've never had a bad experience at Chapman's. Like everything is like super on point. Like, like they budget, I think about maybe an hour 45 for tables. You're pretty much out of there in like 90 minutes. Um, so it's quick turn. It's just, everything is just flowing. Like it's, it's super organized. It's super efficient. Um, which is, which is pretty awesome. So, uh, where's the, so if you go to the website, uh, there'll be a separate page, uh, for chef, uh, Wesley there, we'll put that up just because he was part of the inspiration for the, the special menu, just like we did with Matt, but you can find all those dishes under, uh, chef BJ Lieberman's page up there too, as well. And links to all the podcasts and everything. So it's, it's all on the website. You can find it all. Just go in there, explore. Everything's there. Everything's, um, covered on, on everybody's end, but the first course was a bread service. So it was three different kind of small bites, like one, two bites. The first one was a hoe cake. Uh, I had smoked creme fraiche and uh, caviar on it. It kind of tasted like, like a Bellini essentially. It was kind of like the Southern version of a Bellini and caviar. Um, really good, really nice. Hoe cakes basically originate from, um, they used to back when they were farming the fields and stuff, they used to make them with just kind of the batter and everything. And it'd be so hot that you could put it on the and the metal part of a, a hoe and just kind of bake it almost like you see people, you know, bake it eggs uh, when it gets super hot. Like, Oh, look, I can cook an egg on like the asphalt and stuff like that. Similar concept, but, um, that's kind of where they originate from the other two bites. One was a fluffy biscuits with surrey ham and collard green jam. And the other one was a Japanese milk bread with pimento cheese. Japanese milk bread was a favorite. Uh, it was just, the texture was super light, but it was like crispy, um, still flavorful. I'm not a big pimento cheese person. It's a Southern thing, but it's still delicious. Um, I just, pimento cheese is just not something I gravitate towards, but it was, it was really, really good. It was definitely among the best pimento cheese experiences that I've had. Uh, the only one I could even, even like compare it to would be like the gray in Savannah. Uh, cause we got some stuff from gold from them through gold belly, but this was definitely better than that, which is saying something, which how, revered the gray in Savannah is, uh, with chef Bailey and, and she's expanding other restaurants, I think in Austin and there's a whole Netflix chef's table episode on her. So, um, really, really just, I don't know. You just don't expect kind of like first small kind of bites to be that level, um, all the time, especially at different restaurants and stuff, but they were, they were really awesome. Next dish was shrimp and grits. Um, really good. Again, not a super big ingredient fan of, uh, of shrimp, um, been on the record several times. It's just, I've had different versions. It's just not something for me, but still, you know, go into it with open mind as, as much as possible and everything was, shrimp. It, it was good. Uh, I did pawn off my piece of shrimp to my wife, but in terms of the grits and everything else that was in there, it was really, really nice. It, I mean, shrimp and grits is a Southern classic. It's pretty much, you'll find it routinely on any menu, um, in any of the Southern, you know, Southern restaurants. It's like a staple almost. The The corn grits were really nice. They had a, a little texture to them. So it was a little bit grittier than like your cornmeal batter that maybe you would make if you were making like 
corn muffins or cornbread or something like that at home. Um, so kind of similar to that. But what was really interesting was the poblano sausage. It had a nice little spice to it, but it kind of reminded you of kind of breakfast sausage in a way. Um, but it, it was sharper. It had a, a little bit more spice to it, which was a nice to kind of offset, you know, everything else with the creaminess and, and the smoothness and everything. And the you get a nice little yin and yang kind of between the savory and the um, the creamy and all the different textures and flavors and everything in there. So definitely a, a nice dish. The third one was a field pea salad. So this kind of reminded me of um, like Harris Covert's um, essentially kind of same flavor kind of profile construction concept. Obviously, you know, plated better than anything that you would find um, relating to that with with the green beans and everything. But you know, the pea, like peas aren't something that they're just coming in a season. So it was kind of a surprise to even see them on the menu. Um, just because I remember when we went to San Francisco, we ate at a bunch of restaurants one time. It was like late May and it was like they had a three week like period where asparagus and I think it might have been either, I think it was sugar peas uh, or like that they had this three week window where they could use them where they were, you know, super fresh and everything. And then, then they would just kind of disappear. So was pretty shocked to, to see it on the menu um, at Chapman's. Just wasn't expecting to see kind of fresh peas on there. But super delicious, uh, really light but full of flavor. Just kind of a, a nice welcome change of pace, you know, in sight. Seeing a bunch of green stuff on a plate and and just tasting kind of the herbaceousness and the freshness of everything um, was definitely a nice change of pace to coming out of winter and, in spring and then actually kind of going back towards winter here, it, it kind of feels like the past few weeks. So, um, definitely really, really enjoyed that dish. The one that followed it was a Benny stew. Uh, Benny, I guess is like this, uh, heirloom sesame seed. Um, so there was some of that sprinkled across the top of this, the stew, but the stew was kind of made from it too, as well. Um, there's fried oysters in there, which were super light, um, you couldn't tell that they were really oysters, but you still got a little bit of the kind of the oyster chewiness almost a little bit, but super delicate. They weren't over breaded or over fried or anything like that. And the brightness, there was a brightness from the tomato chow chow, which really, really helped offset some of the stuff too, and kind of complete the dish. So it was, it was really nice. Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of, I think in a way gets lost in the tasting menu because it's like a stew or a soup. But sometimes those are like the best dishes in the entire menu just because you can pack so much flavor in there um, just by reducing and reducing and, you know, all that stuff. So uh, it, it's really hard. I mean, they asked us at the end of the night what the best one. I just I took the the pea salad I thought was the best of the menu just because of just the unexpectedness of it. But the, the stew was really, really good. Um, it was really just didn't know what to expect. Never had Bene or at least Noe knowingly having um benet before and yeah it was it was really 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 good after that was the catfish unagi catfish i've only had it a couple times so i can't really i don't have like a anything to kind of base it off of in like a comparison sense um it reminded me a lot of the pork dish from the vietnam menu where it was pretty simple there's kind of rice on the bottom here it was uh i think uh charleston gold rice but that was on the bottom, and then you have kind of your your protein, your meat, or fish in this case, uh, on top. So it had a sorghum glaze, which gave it kind of like this little sweet, you know, a sweetness. Um, sorghum somewhere between like honey and molasses, pretty much on the spectrum. But uh, it was really nice. Cooked real well, perfectly cooked. Um, it kind of separated. You could separate it pretty easily along kind of the, the fillet's lines um, into smaller pieces and everything. And 
didn't really need a knife. Uh, they gave you one, but you didn't really need it. You could just pretty much break it apart with your fork. After that was uh, the barbecue baby back ribs. Again, very reminiscent of a dish on the Vietnam menu that they had. And then I think they even had it for either to go or something like that. It was basically chicken wings and, and fries, essentially. Kind of a play on, you know, similar play uh, on that. But, the you know, I'm not, there's so many things on this menu that, like, I'm never really, like, a big fan of. But it's still a great menu because ribs for me are tough because I got food poisoning, like, twice from ribs. So I usually shy away from them. I make exceptions here or there. But... If it's on a tasty menu, I usually, you know, have try it. Um, it. It's not about being a picky eater or anything. It's just definitely a, a really bad food poisoning from slow and slow and low, uh, two different times. So I'm never somebody who's like, can't wait to find the ribs on the menu kind of thing. Um, every once in a while, like if you're at a barbecue joint, like I'll I'll venture into ribs if I'm feeling it. But these were they were really good. Um, nice glaze, nice crispy skin. Uh, cooked real well in the middle, um, you know, juicy, not dried out or anything like that. Fries are always delicious. Uh, you can never kind of go wrong with those. So it was definitely similar to between the two, like the, I would probably gravitate towards the chicken wing a little bit just because of the, the chili glaze that they had. This was more of a, more of a savory glaze because of the, the red eye gravy that they used. Um, but yeah, still, still delicious. If you like ribs, you'll like these. After that, we kind of get into the desserts. So the first one was a sorghum and peanut float. Uh, I had made with RC Cola, which is Royal Crown Cola. It's kind of a Southern Cola. I like it. It gets dumped on a lot by people, uh, especially when comparing with Coke and Pepsi. But I've always kind of liked it. I've never had an issue with it. Uh, But it had peanut and then sorghum ice cream, uh, too, as well in there. So like I said, sorghum is somewhere between kind of the spectrum of honey and molasses terms of kind of flavor it's kind of in that sweet right in the middle probably of those two uh the thing like it when it arrives to your table and you look at it it just looks like i don't know like slop in a bowl maybe or something like that you just kind of look at it and you're like what but it tastes like anything that you would ever want uh it's got the the fizziness but it's not so fizzy that it's like a you know like you're drinking a soda or a pop or anything like that um, the stuff kind of around the edge is, is really fine chopped peanuts. So it's supposed to be there and it's just, it's, it's just good. It's just really good. It's sweet, but it's fizzy. It's, it's just a really, really refined version of like an ice cream float. Um, and if you haven't had an ice cream float in a while, like you'll definitely appreciate kind of the nostalgia of having an ice cream float towards the end of a tasty menu. And the last dish was a chess pie, um, which is kind of like, you know, it can get compared a lot to like pecan pie and stuff like that. They're all kind of in the same family, um, just some different ingredients. Uh, one's a little bit creamier, one, you know, stuff like that. But uh, it's really good. I mean, chess pie is another thing that you find a lot on dessert menus in the South. I mean, they had it on, you know, the menu at the Catbird Seed and and a few other places uh, that I've been to, I've seen it too, kind of once you get towards the south. And it came with like a chocolate mousse, which was super light, um, just kind of like whipped almost. I would almost compare it to more like a chocolate whip than, than a mousse, but it's super light. And then a salted sea foam, which really added like a nice, you know, depth to the flavor. You get that saltiness on there with the chocolateness, you know, chocolatey flavor too as well. So it all worked really, really well. Um, I thought it was, I mean, 
it's you, you compare the menus and it's tough kind of what would be your favorite you know you could probably go through and create like you know a super awesome menu just from pulling different dishes um and i think there was aspects of kind of you could tell like they were getting ready for this with some of the stuff that they did before on the previous menu with the cola glazed pork belly you know that's kind of a southern thing too as well and and they were trying different stuff but it's just good, man. It's just, it's a really, really highly executed, well done menu and restaurant. Like everybody there just, it's just, it's really surprising to see a restaurant in Columbus have the technical proficiency that they do. And they haven't been open for a full year yet. Uh, I think they opened June for takeout, June 2020. So like they're just coming up on like one year. And it wouldn't even be one year of like in restaurant service till August, but they're just at this level that, you know, you could drop them in another city and, um, wouldn't miss a beat. So it's super impressive. Just love going there. Um, everybody's just super awesome. You know, the, the whole staff, the whole team, you know, they're adding new people too as well. Cause they're going to, uh, expand and, and it'll be cool to see them, you know, I think next year is when they're targeting to open a, maybe another restaurant. There was kind of some stuff I stumbled upon. So, um, I have an idea of where it's going, but I'm not going to say that. That's not my news to break. Uh, I don't like breaking news. That's, that's not for me to, to share, but I have an idea based on some stuff that I saw out, out in the wild during a dog walk. Um, so that'll be, that'll be interesting to see kind of as that gets developed and more news comes out and, and everything like that, what kind of the concept is and everything like that. And I do hope that they eventually, uh, open like a standalone ice cream place. Um, because we don't, you know, it's tough with, with Jenny's, you know, based in Columbus, but Jenny's is basically a nationwide brand now, uh, based on the recent stuff that they're doing with expansion, and everything. So Columbus kind of lost its, you know, go to local ice cream place where Cleveland still has Mitchell's, you know, and, and Cincinnati, I mean, has Graders to an extent, but Graders is a national brand too. But, you know, so it, it's starting to feel like Jenny's maybe isn't as Columbus as it used to be. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's time that we get another another ice cream place. So I really hope they do something with that um, too as well, uh, you know, somewhere, somewhere down the road. But um, that's it for kind of the recap of the Southern menu. Um, I'm sure we'll be back there again whenever... I know they're eventually going to switch to a la carte at some point too. So that'll be a cool experience to kind of go through and see like which ones you want to pick, you know, and, and kind of construct your menu that way. Like that'll be a pretty cool experience to go back and have. So excited for that whenever they get around to, to making that change. I think that'll be pretty soon. And, and, um, cause they just wound down the to go program too as well. So anticipation of that and, and it's, you know, if you haven't been, um, you know, we've done five or six podcasts, I think on the restaurant, you know, I had two of the people that work there on and plan on asking a bunch of the others who were there, you know, um, chef Wesley Grubbs, and then you have, um, Justin too, as well, who's the sous chef over there. So, I mean, we plan on, you know, even Seth, you know, behind the bar, we'll, we'll reach out to those guys. Uh, when we get some time, we got a lot going on. So, and we, we want to space it out too. We don't want to have like everybody from the same restaurant on like three weeks in a row that would just kind of kind of be weird and might not be super interesting so we'll space them out but definitely plan on reaching out to those guys see if they're open to doing it um sometime here in the the near future we got a lot of stuff in the works i got a bunch of stuff i have to edit 
again. Um, so one day I will just be so happy whenever I get to have an editor, but, um, yeah, check out their Instagram at Chapman's eat market, uh, on Instagram. Uh, like I said, uh, can find uh, Chef BJ on Instagram, uh, Matt Larkin's on there, Wesley Grubbs, uh, Justin. Uh, I think his is like Red Racer X or something, I think, on Instagram. So you can find them. Uh, they usually tag everybody, uh, Pam, uh, Rhiannon, a um, whole bunch of, you know, Seth is, is kind of on the bar one. I think it's like uh, Drink Chapman's is that. So you can find everybody pretty easily, but uh, check out their Instagrams. They're always, you know, posting up new stuff, new stuff in the stories and everything like that. So uh, make sure you follow Spoon Mob's Instagram too as well. Uh, if you aren't already at Spoon Mob on Instagram, we're also on Twitter and Facebook. So feel free to follow us there, but everything's kind of linked through our Instagram and just kind of funnels out that way. Make sure to check out the website, spoonmob.com. Pretty much put new stuff up every week. Either it's a new chef profile or whatever. Eventually it makes its way to Instagram, but sometimes it can take a couple weeks before uh, we're able to get it over there. So if you want to check, you're looking for something to read or whatever, um, excuse any typos or grammatical errors, uh, working on going back through some of that stuff and fixing it, but you might come across some stuff. Um, it's kind of, you know, a one man show with some help here and there. So it's tough to, to prioritize and go back through and, and change a whole bunch of stuff. But slowly working on that, um, to get kind of some of that. But the whole goal is, you know, once somebody comes on a podcast, you know, the bio goes away because we kind of go through it the first time they come on. So, um, so just more incentive to, to get more people on the podcast. That way I don't have to go back and edit and, uh, do any editing of the, the bios and grammar corrections and stuff that I've screwed up. But, uh, yeah, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast from. Like I said, make sure you follow, subscribe to the podcast and uh help spread the word appreciate everybody listening so far and uh we'll talk to you guys next week